for us is uh, truly uh, um, joyful. Uh, we ought to be thankful and uh, filled with gratitude because he has given us this day. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and... You glad? You sure? <laughs> I hope you are because there's much to be glad for. Um, well, this morning, before we get into the message, uh, let, me, uh, let me open up our announcements. That way we know it's, what's happening here. Okay, so uh, number one, we have the foundations class. That's, uh, and that's a series of three parts. Um, the first one will be taking place on September 26th, and the next one October 3rd, and then October 10th. Um, the foundations class is a requirement to serving here at Refuge. Um, it helps you to understand uh, the, the, um, the basics of our faith and the doctrines that we stand on. Uh, we also get to know where you stand, and, and that way we come together and we're on the same page as you participate in ministry. I always tell our leaders and remind them often that uh, ministry is just not about doing. You know, we, um, you know, preparing for something physically, whether it be ushering or greeting or leading in worship. Um, the important part is fulfilling the Great Commission, and that is discipleship. And so we can only grow and mature in the same, going in the same direction if we're all on the same page. And so that's why it's very important to make sure uh, that we are all standing in the same place, moving in the same direction as it pertains to theology and doctrine. And so that's why we, uh, we have these foundations classes. Um, not only that, but also for anyone who's new to the faith. Uh, it provides the basics, um, those things that, uh, well, as the Bible refers to the milk, um, we need to have that and feed on that before we move on to anything of great substance. And so we have our foundations class. So make sure that you sign up today if you have not gone through the foundations classes, and, and uh, that uh, sign up will be available for you at the information table. We also want to announce that we have a night of worship coming up on Sunday, September 19th, at 6.30 p.m. Um, this is kicking off the week of prayer and fasting for us. And so I would encourage you to come out and be a part of that. And then that will lead into, again, uh, our week of prayer and fasting. We'll break up into different groups. Even that evening, we will do that and uh, spend some time in prayer. Uh, we also have coming up on Saturday, September 11th at 8.30, uh, we have our hands and feet food box delivery. Uh, and that is to Cambridge Gardens, so that gives us an opportunity to serve our community uh, by, one, bringing food to them, but more importantly, allowing that to be an, uh, an opportunity to minister to them in the in name of Jesus Christ. And so we, um, we get to pray for them, with them. Uh, we get to provide some companionship and, and fellowship um, for those who sometimes don't have any visitors. Um, so, you know, I, I would encourage you, if you have not participated in that, to, uh, to go to the information table and they can point you in the right direction. George and Ruby are the ones who head this up, and, uh, and that way you can get all the, the information and, uh, and go be a part of what we're doing there uh, within Riverside. We also have a theology class, and that's coming up this Wednesday, uh, and it is Catholic Theology. So we're learning about Catholic Theology um, so that's this, that's this Wednesday, and uh, we do have um, uh, child care 
as always, uh, but more importantly, we have children's ministry. And so even on Wednesdays, it's not just babysitting. It's uh, what we do is we, we're even on Wednesday nights, we have a curriculum that we're teaching our kids the word of God. And it, just a reminder um, that uh, we have youth group and, uh, and that takes place at the, at the youth building uh, just right behind us. And so that's what we have going on. Um, <clears throat> another thing that I wanted to announce is today after service, I had uh, announced on Wednesday that we are going to have a meeting in regards to um, homeschooling, homeschooling and in the opportunities that we can participate in here. Uh, what I'm thinking, well, what I'm considering, prayerfully considering, I've been praying about this for a long time, but it, it, it's, it's time to um, do something. And um, so we're going to look at either forming some kind of a support group here, a co-op, or maybe even a private school, so a PSP. We'll explain all of that and how it would work. And um, so, of course, I'm looking to the church as a whole um, to see what kind of a need we have and, uh, and how it is that we can get everything started. We do have uh, already people who are willing to help out, outside organizations who will help um, put everything together, the paperwork, and help us move along in that direction. So it's, it's all a matter of who is willing uh, to participate here at Refuge and to what level. So that's what we're going to talk about this, uh, this morning. After service, we're going to gather together here in the sanctuary and talk about that. All right? So um, <clears throat> turn with me to Romans chapter 13. Romans 13. The title of this morning's message is Be a Debtor of Love Only. Be a Debtor of Love Only. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning with grateful hearts, Lord. And, uh, and Lord, let us learn what it means, Lord, to be uh, debtors of love only, Lord. To owe nothing to anyone except for love. Let us also learn what you define love to be. For your word tells us that God is love. You are love. Lord, uh, help us to understand. Lord, as, as your children, Lord, how to walk in that love. Lord, how to put off the things that are of the world and put on the armor of light. Putting on our Lord Jesus Christ. And so, Father, speak to us this morning, Lord. We, we have set aside this time for you, Lord, as we partook of communion. Lord, we understand that we are consecrated unto you. Lord, uh, away from those things that, uh, that are opposed to you, that are sin. And Lord, unto you, holiness and righteousness. And so, Father, may we be reverent in heart. May we be attentive in our posture. May we seek to understand the things that you have for us today. And so, Father, fill us with your spirit. Lead and guide us. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Let's begin by reading in Romans chapter 13, verse 8, which says, O no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, uh, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Besides this, you know the time. That the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For, your sal for salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. So then let us... Cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Uh, do you all know what the national debt is today? Take a stab at it. 28 trillion? Man, someone's up on the facts here. Yeah. 28 trillion. I, I wouldn't even know, like, what does that look like? I know, I know they put it in, um, like, physical perspective, like how many, uh, you know, the train car loads that would be and how long that train would be. And, and, uh, but that, that's a lot of money. $28 trillion. $28 trillion. I just want to make this comment. Can you imagine if, 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 we, if we behaved in that way? What would that be? We would consider a household who is in massive debt like that to be fiscally or, or financially irresponsible, right? But that's a, that's a debt that we have, $28 trillion. That's incredible, isn't it? Uh, I was looking at our debt, and I was thinking, well, what is it per person? You know, so they break it down by citizen, and then they, they break it down uh, per taxpayer. And, and it is wild, the amount of money that we owe. You should take a look at it, and I'll, and I'll make reference. Uh, it's actually usdebtclock.org.org. Um, that I was looking up, and it has it in real time, how much, uh, how much money we're, we're just going backwards. Quite amazing. Debt per taxpayer is 228322 Congratulations, that's your debt. The average personal debt per citizen is 65000 again, according to usdebtclock.org. Listen, I understand that there are times when we need to borrow money. Uh, we don't have the, the capital, personally, and so we need to borrow money. But what is borrowed must be paid back as soon as possible. The sooner you pay it back, the better. You have integrity in doing so. A person is to follow through with their agreement to repay what they have borrowed. It, it's a debt to someone else. A favor that must be repaid. You know, when the Lord was giving Israel instructions on how to live and be blessed on, in, the, in the promised land, he addressed the issue of debt. 
And if you turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 15, we'll see what he said. Deuteronomy chapter 15 and verse 1 is where we'll go. So it says in Deuteronomy 15.1, At the end of every seven years you shall grant a release. And this is the manner of the release. Every creditor shall release what he has lent to his neighbor. He shall not exact it of his neighbor, his brother, because the Lord's release has been proclaimed. Of a foreigner you may exact it, but whatever of yours is with your brother, your hand shall release. But there will be no poor among you. For the Lord will bless you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance to possess. If only you will strictly obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all this commandment that I command you today. For the Lord your God will bless you as he promised you, and you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow, and you shall rule over many nations, but they shall not rule over you." If among you, one of your brothers should become poor in any of your towns within your land that the Lord your God has given you, you shall not harden your heart or shut your hand against your poor brother, but you shall open your hand to to him and lend him sufficient for his need, whatever it may be. Take care, lest there be an unworthy thought in your heart, and you say the seventh year, the year of release is near, and your eye look grudgingly on your poor brother, and you give him nothing. And he cried to the Lord against you, and you be guilty of sin. You shall give to him freely, and your heart shall not be grudging when you give to him. Because for this the Lord your God will bless you in all your work, and in all that you undertake. For there will never cease to be poor in the land. Therefore I command you, you shall open wide your hand to your brother, to the needy, and to the poor." In your land. These were instructions by the Lord given to his people. Uh, The manner in which they were to handle their finances and also respond to the needs of the poor. Their fellow brethren that were around them. Uh, You know, the the seventh year was the the year of release. In other words, that was a year when you were to forgive all uh, debts that were owed to you. And so he was saying, be careful that uh, that that year... Uh, as it's coming up, and if your, your brother is in, in need, uh, do not hold back uh, his need from giving to him just because you know that you have to forgive him of that debt in the following year. Uh, we should be mindful of that which we've been entrusted with, our provision, for it is to be used for the glory of God. And this were instructions that were given to God's people to bring him glory. You know, what is one of the most difficult things to part with? Well, I I don't have any there, but... Money. Money. It's interesting. We'll we'll do all kinds of stuff with what, uh, you know, for what we want. But when it comes to someone else's needs, you know, it's hard to part with our money. And so the Lord gives instructions. and, And he is telling us even through that, that there is a time when we need to borrow, perhaps when we are in that time of need. So even as we consider that, as we think about that, remember God is consistent. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
And so as we think about what he said in Deuteronomy, we move to Romans chapter 13 and understand that God is not telling us that we should never borrow, but that our main debt, the one thing that consumes our thoughts and who we are, should be the debt of love toward one another. That should be the one thing that is perpetual in our lives. That we owe to someone else our love. It is for this reason that we should ask, what is love? How can we love others? Why should we express love? What is love not? All of those questions we should be asking so we can get it right. If you're young, you would be amazed how fast a person arrives at. Remember when we thought, you know, us that are a little older, you know, I remember looking at 20 and thinking, man, that's old. And then when I got to 20, I, I looked at 30 and I thought, that's old. And then when I got to 30 and looked to 40, I'm like, whoa. I, I remember going to those birthday parties, you know, to where someone was turning 40 and it was an over the hill party. You know, it was like the, there was like even tombstones and like it was all black, you know, and it was just like, yeah. So you look at that each you know, decade, and you think, man, that's old, that's old, that's old. It's amazing how quick you get to the age you are as you get older, doesn't it? And they say that, um, that uh, life is like a roll of toilet paper. The closer you get to the end, the faster it goes. I told you I don't do jokes, and so <laughs> that's why. Listen, we need to remember that tomorrow is promised to no one, young or old. And therefore, the time that we have before us is, is lent to us. It's, um, we ought to be stewards of that. We are to use that time that is given to us to bless the Lord and glorify him. I remind you of what the Apostle Paul wrote to the Ephesians in Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You see, God created us to accomplish a lifelong assignment filled with good works, which he prepared or spelled out for us before we were even born. And they are found within the pages of scripture. This morning, we will learn about the debt of love. And we will also learn about the armor of light. Time is short. The night is far spent. We, as children of, of God, are living in the light today. And as Christians, we are called to live lives that exhibit Christ and exhibit a consistent readiness to see him at any given time, whether at the rapture or our own personal call home. So two things that we're going to highlight this morning. Number one, learn to love. And number two, put on the armor of light. Let's begin with learning to love. Again, in verse eight, as it says, Oh, no, no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not covet. And any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling 
of the law. We see here that we are to owe nothing to anyone except for one thing, and that is to love one another. You know, when we have that perspective, that mentality, when we have that attitude of heart, when we are constantly putting that before us, we consider others more than ourselves. But we need to learn what that means. Is it compromise? Is it bending to whatever it is that they want us to bend to? Let us learn what actually love is. What it is not. What we should not do. Because this very thing is what guards us against our own hearts. Is understanding, is having a full understanding of what love actually is is and what loving our neighbor looks like. Because love will do no wrong to our neighbor. First of all, let's start out with uh, the fact that God is love. God is love. 1 John chapter 4, verse 16 and 17 says, So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. So when Jesus prayed for his disciples, and he was praying for us, he was praying to the Father, and he was saying, I don't ask that you would take them out of the world, but that you would sanctify them in the world, that they would be consecrated unto the Father. We, in the world, are consecrated unto the Lord. Uh, we, we have turned our backs on the things of the world, and we have turned our hearts toward our God, the Father, in and through Christ. And so with confidence, we have no fear for um, perfect love casts out all fear right? The fear of condemnation, for that is what fear is. And in Christ, as we abide in him, his love is perfected within us. That means that we are growing, we are maturing in that love. You know, there's no one who is more perfect. There's no one who is holy and righteous like our God is. And therefore, we ourselves ought to be as he is. Yes, God is love. And we need to understand that we ought to abide in him. That that love would be reflected in our own lives and revealed to others. That others may see our good works and glorify our Father who is in heaven. To love is obedience to scripture also. John 14, 15, Jesus said, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. It's not, it's not an option. It's not, hey, you know I love you, right? I, I really mean it, and you know, I, I feel it in my heart. And No, it, it's not like, it doesn't work like that. It really doesn't. Love is, is active. Uh, love expresses itself outwardly, that which is inward in our hearts. 
And it is God who defines. Remember, God defines what love actually is in what it is not. And Jesus speaking, he said, if you love me, if, it's conditional, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. To trust and obey. Because it is not enough to say you believe and not enough to say you trust God because to obey his word is to justify what you confess. The words we speak should match our actions. Just as it is not enough to say you're sorry and not act on your sorrow, it is not enough to just say you trust God and then not act on doing his commandments. Even now, it should be, that should be convicting. That should be something that, that we consider in this very moment. A broken and contrite heart, oh God, these you will not despise. In other words, he won't turn his back. You know, if, if we come to a place to where something is revealed in our own lives, we insist on consistently sinning against the Lord. What we're we are really revealing is that we don't know him. We have no desire to honor him. I don't care how much argument you put forth. It really doesn't matter because we're kicking against the goads. And the Lord is saying, son, daughter, repent. He wants you to know life in that more abundantly in Jesus Christ. We can't just say it. We need to act on it. Also, to love others proves you, you love God. Your love for others proves your love for God. Well, I'm just to myself, you know, I express my faith in different ways. Um, you know, all kinds of excuses. I, I'm, I'm a private person. Well, get on private because we're in communion here where this is fellowship. God has called us to fellowship and not forsake the assembling of ourselves as is the manner of some, but doing even more so as we see the day of the Lord approaching, drawing near. And so, in other words, we need to get over ourselves. We need to get past ourselves. We really do. You know the biggest hindrance to our relationship with God? How can I express my love toward you if I don't see you? How can I know you if I don't spend time with you? John 13, 34 and 35 says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. This is why we need to study how it is that Jesus loved his disciples personally and intimately, what he spoke to them, what he taught them, how he lived. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Have you ever heard parents say, if you love me, you would do X, Y, and Z for me? Maybe you've heard it or maybe you've said it as a parent, right? If you love me. Well, there's actual truth to that. Because love is proven by what you do. And as God commands us to love others, and we say we love God, 
then what is to follow is to love others as he has determined for us to love others. But we also need to understand that in loving others, that we are also guarding ourselves from sinning as we realize that God's word is a safeguard to us and is the fulfillment of God's word. You know, Matthew 7, 12 says, So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. This is what Paul said in verse 8, For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. Um, we are so consumed today with feelings, with emotions. It seems like just about every uh, time we want to bring about our opinion... What do we start that statement out with? What words do we say? Well, I feel, right? I, I, I feel, I feel, I, I feel, feel, I feel. It's like, there's nothing wrong with that word as long as you understand what you're saying, right? We acknowledge, like, pay attention. We need to pay attention to what we're saying. Because here's something that is true. This is something that is right out of the word of God. Did you know that love is not equal to our feelings? Our emotions can contradict what love is. Did you know that? Our own desires can contradict what love is. Therefore, we need to be mindful, think about what we're saying before we say it. Even be humble enough to, at some point, take a step back and confess that perhaps what we said was not right. And, and then yield to the authority of God's word and repent of that sin. Because it is sin. It's missing the mark is what it is. No, love is not about feelings and emotions, but about what is right, according to God's word and acting upon it, being disciplined in our person and allowing God's word to dictate our actions. Did you know that love hates evil? If God is love and God hates evil, then therefore our love should be expressed in a way that loves that which is holy and righteous and yet hates evil. Love is hating evil and shunning it in our lives and loving righteousness and abiding in it. In Matthew chapter 22, verse 34, says, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, what is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So, therefore... This is the very thing that guards us against doing those things that miss the mark. 
And that is by loving our neighbor. By loving our neighbor, we won't have to worry about you know, committing adultery or murdering or stealing or coveting or, any, or violating any of the other commandments. We just won't be concerned with that. Why? Because we'll be more concerned and focused on just simply blessing the Lord and being obedient to his commandments. Those things which bring him glory and please him. Know that you belong to God and then learn to love him by loving others. In 1 John chapter 5, in verse 1, it says, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. That's why we cannot sit here and say we love God and hate our brother. As he goes on to say in verse 2, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the son of God? We need to express that love for God, and we need to express that love for others. So we need to learn, learn to love. What does that look like? Well, we go to the Word of God for that. I have gone over several areas of Scripture. Uh, again, as I always say, this is not an exhaustive study. There is so much more. But when we neglect to do those things that God has commanded us to do, we are neglecting to express to God our love for him and our, and our love for each other. So learn to love. Number two, put on, put on the armor of God. Verse 11, as we continue, says, Besides this, you know the time, that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone, the day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. You know, Paul appeals to the fact that time is short. If you knew that today was the last day you had, would you do anything different? What would you focus on? It's interesting to me as I often go bedside to people who have been given bad news, you know, given news uh, that perhaps they have days or they have weeks or they don't, they have maybe a few months to live. I always find it interesting what it is that they desire in that moment. They want to bring others around. One. Number two, if their eyes are fixed on Christ, they want to make sure that they glorify the Lord in that moment. They, they focus not on themselves. They start focusing more and more on other people. Uh, I did the memorial service for a sister in Christ who's gone home to be with the Lord, and I did her, her memorial service, but I, I, I remember uh, being bedside with her and just spending time with her. 
and even her daughter-in-law was there, her son and others, and and it was truly amazing as I talked with the family that they were they all told me the same thing that this woman it just wanted to talk about them and then she also wanted to make sure that they were prepared that they were strong in their faith that's all she was concerned about making sure that that is exactly what they knew before she went home and she was actually rejoicing about getting to go home this was a a person a sister who lived well and she died well it's truly beautiful what would you do differently if you knew today was the last day that you had? Well, it's time to wake up. It's time to live like that today. To live properly for the glory of Christ. Owing no one anything except love, and we need to quit living like we're not of the Lord. Quit living like, like heathens, like the world does. The time is short. And unfortunately, many are still feeding the flesh, trying to satisfy it as if you somehow could. The more you feed the flesh, the hungrier it gets. You can never satisfy the desires of the flesh. Besides this, you know the time, the hour has come for you to wake up from sleep. Paul further explains how to love as God has commanded us to love. Well, this is what we ought not to do. We ought not to commit adultery. We ought not to murder. Remember, Jesus took that a step further and he says, the, the one who hates in his heart has committed murder, uh, to not steal, to not lust after the things of the flesh. The things that are listed here are desires of the flesh, all of them, the, the things that we went through. The desires of the flesh to be fulfilled with the things that involve sexual immorality but are not limited to, including pornography, adultery, fornication, that is sex outside of marriage, even sensuality, using the body and its exposure or emphasis to manipulate or entice for any purpose. Being preoccupied with the enjoyment, expression, or pursuit of the physical, especially sexual, and pleasure. But listen, all of that, we can go through those lists because there's, there's more to the list. But we need to first wake up. First and foremost, we need to wake up first in order to be able to cast off the works of darkness. A person sleeping can hear. Did you know that? If not, the next time perhaps your, your spouse is sleeping, like sound asleep, really deep in sleep, just go right up to them and, and see what they do. If they respond then that means that they could hear. If they don't, put a mirror under their nose. It might mean something else. <laughs> listen, a person sleeping can hear but not listen. Not actively listen. A sleeping person does not rationalize, cannot exercise the will, and even 
Though he has eyes, he cannot see. Even though he has legs, cannot walk. Doesn't it? Well, there are people who sleepwalk, huh? But then that's just another issue. <laughs> Listen, Paul says that our salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. In other words, every day we are closer to knowing our salvation fully in the presence of God. One way or another. But also acknowledging that the days are getting darker and that means that Jesus is coming soon. That, that has to be exciting for the church. He's coming soon. The rapture is happening and it can happen at any given time. But for us as Christians, we need to understand that the night is far gone. And listen to this. We do not live in the night. We do not live in darkness. Within darkness, perhaps, but not in darkness. Because for us, the day is at hand. We walk in the light. So don't hang your head down. Don't mope around. Don't be overwhelmed with darkness. Remember that darkness is overwhelmed with light, right? In other words, the things that are normally done in the dark should not be done by the children of the light. Those who belong to Jesus Christ because we are now living or existing. We are new creatures in Christ and we are in the light. So what do we do? Well, we cast off the works of darkness. How do we do that? Well, number one is to confess our sins. And as we confess our sins, we are all at the same time repenting of our sins. 1 John 1.9 says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In Acts chapter 2, when Peter preached, he, he uh, proclaimed the good news of Jesus Christ. This is how the people responded in Acts chapter 2, verse 36. It says, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So when they realized that they were the sinners, they were the ones who were guilty. The reason why Jesus Christ went to the cross is at the point where they realized that, they confessed. They said, amen, they agreed. It requires humility. It requires an acknowledgement. A belief that Jesus Christ came and lived a perfect life, died on the cross, rose from the grave three days later, and today, as he ascended to the Father, sits at his right hand and intercedes on behalf of you and I. The people confessed. What do we do? What do we do? The first thing, the only thing we ought to do at that point after we confess, is repent. Which means to surrender to a changed mind that is in alignment with what is true, what is holy and righteous, and act by identifying with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ 
to a new life in him. The old man has died. Behold, the new has come. Is that reflected in our lives as we've repented? We've not only confessed. This is not a, a Christianity is not a, a self-help, but uh, a, a Christ by his grace given us the forgiveness of our sins. We cannot pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and make it to heaven. It is only by his grace that we are saved. What are we reflecting? Listen, enter God's rest. It is only known in Christ. And the only way you can do that or you can express it and walk in obedience with understanding is if you've completely yielded your life to Christ. It's the only way. Because you've been empowered by the Holy Spirit to be a witness and testify that he truly is your Savior and your Lord. In Hebrews chapter 4, in verse 11, says, let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. We can escape nothing. As far as God is concerned, we, we cannot escape. We can't, can't fool. We can't deceive him. We can say what we want, but in the end, everything is revealed to him as it has always been revealed to him. Do not work to sabotage your own walk with the Lord. We are our worst enemies in our relationship with the Lord. Make no provision, provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. In other words, do not supply it with anything that, that would allow it to grow and thrive within your life. Do not supply it, you willingly. We do that. We would do that willingly? Yes, we would do that willingly. Do not supply it with anything that would allow it to grow and thrive within your life. This means you avoid certain places. You, you avoid certain people. You avoid and deny certain possessions and certain activities because you know they only serve to feed your lustful cravings and deny your relationship with Jesus Christ and its growth and maturing and serving. If anything keeps you from that, then think about it. What, what is it? What, what's keeping you from growing in your relationship with Jesus Christ or keeping you from expressing your love for him, according to God's word. 1 Corinthians 15, 33 and 34, to give you an example. Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Remember I told you there, there sometimes you have to avoid certain people or places. Well, I know sometimes, especially as we have peer pressure or, you know, we, we are uh, young in our discernment, or we just are stubborn. 
right? We, we think that our environment won't affect us. Uh, we especially come across this, we would expect, in, in younger, in the younger, right? Kids, elementary, junior high, high school, and even in college, right? Because we think that perhaps our, our, our environment won't, won't affect us. The places we go, the people we hang out with, but that's not true. Is that lining up with 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 33 and 34? It's a warning. It's, it's, it's a warning. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Um, the Spirit would, will only lead us in all truth. So just know, walking by the Spirit, if we're walking by the Spirit, you will know that you're walking by the Spirit if you're walking in truth, living by it, according to it, okay? So, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and, the thing, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Listen, this is not just, oh, you know, we're kind of living in the world and kind of just in compromise. No, no, no. This has to do with your salvation. Are you sure you're even of the Lord? Dare I say that? Dare I, dare I question your salvation? Yes, I dare. Because I don't, I desire that none should perish, but that all should reach repentance, because that is God's desire. Do not be fooled into thinking that you living in constant compromise somehow you are even a prodigal. Some people that think they're prodigals haven't been of the brethren to begin with. I remember looking back at my life, I think, did I recommit my life to the Lord or was I ever His? That's a scary thought. And I desire that the Lord would convict us, that we quit playing with fire because this is the place where truth should be spoken and insisted upon. The church should be holy and righteous and not given to compromise. We mentioned some of the bigger sins, but listen, there's also enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, Envy, those are the things that perhaps sometimes we, we, we dismiss as acceptable sins, even within the body. No. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus, listen to this, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Paul tells us <clears throat> to put on the armor of light, to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. What this means is that we are to 
quit our alliance in partnership with the flesh and surrender instead to the lordship of Jesus Christ, abiding in his love and word. Remember, it's a matter of salvation. And we simply work out our salvation with fear and trembling, expressing our love for God and our complete yielding to his authority in our lives. We allow him to equip us to fight and defend by his spirit that indwells us. He is our covering and he is also our weaponry in every way to successfully live lives that honor and glorify him. So brothers and sisters, learn to love and put on the armor of light. The hour has come for you to wake from sleep. Salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. Therefore, put, put on the armor of light. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and live lives with godly integrity to the glory of the Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ. If you have not confessed of your sins, if you have not fully repented, if you, you still find yourself in that place of compromise, then I plead with you, today may you respond to God's kindness, His grace, by confessing your sins to Him, asking Him for forgiveness, for Him to be your Lord, your Savior, and to give you that spirit that you may be empowered to be witnesses of him, to desire the things that bless and glorify him and have the hope of heaven. Believe and walk in the truth of God's word by the spirit who indwells all who believe in Jesus Christ. Father, we, I pray collectively all together, corporately, love you. We are truly sorrowful. We regret, Lord, that we don't express our love for you more and more consistently. I ask, Lord, that you would forgive us of our sins. And, Lord, that you would help us to genuinely draw close to you. Lord, reading your word, studying your word, being in fellowship, praying serving you, being mindful of your very presence in our lives, and living with gratitude for the salvation that you have secured for us by the shed blood and through the shed blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I pray if there's anyone here who does not know salvation, that today, just as it was asked of Peter, what do we do? At the point of their confession that they are sinners, that they have fallen short of bringing glory to you. Knowing that none is righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That at that very moment, the apostle Peter said, you must repent. Repent and be baptized. In other words, identify with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I pray that that would be true of anyone who has not fully surrendered their lives to you, perhaps not at all. 
May you be honored and glorified. Again, may today be the day of salvation. And may your church, Lord, be pure and holy before you. May we be a bride ready for your return. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.